So, in my earlier comments, I said that uh, Jesus' friends, and more broadly, the people of that day, weren't facing a contagion. And then I posed the little question, or were they? The disciples' immediate fear, fortunately, temporary, came from the unfolding events in Jerusalem. Jesus had been taken, beaten, and crucified. They feared for their lives. But they also faced a widespread condition with staggering consequences. In fact, without proper treatment, the mortality rate is 100%. I don't mean to make light of the current concerns, but we shouldn't take the concerns of our existence and the reality of sin lightly. No surprises here. We are all infected from birth. In uh, Romans 3.23, we read, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? All. Easy answer, isn't it? We are not immune. From the instant that Adam and Eve chose to disobey, yes, chose not to trust the heart of God, we've all been doomed without proper treatment. So, well, we, we skipped part of this verse, but we'll, we'll, we'll go with... Uh, Barry, can you go back one slide? There we go. We gave it away already. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Now, if it, if it just stayed there, that would be a terrible place to stay. But let's put the next slide up. Ah, yes. Talicized emphasis added. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, yay God. Okay. Um, that first one, that, that was not the right slide, was it? We have proper treatment available. So, we face a universal, deadly contagion, but more importantly, we have the offer of the singular Singular, one, just one finger. Universal, life-giving cure through the full work of Jesus. Let's consider how confession comes into play here. In Romans 10.9, says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Sounds like a good thing to confess. It's a pretty straightforward if-then statement. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Another, another exercise of confession that might and should come to mind is confessing our sins to God and others. James 4, 7 and 8 reads, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, 
and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James 5, 16, shortly after that, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Confession is critical. It leads to life and healing, all very good. Now, it's in these next verses that I want to uh, start turning a corner, or maybe more like moving from the on-ramp to the freeway. We could look at the ravages, the effects of sin. It's real. It's deadly. Without Jesus, there is no hope. But I want to consider uh, here in uh, 1 John 1 and uh, into uh, part of chapter 2, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. And this is why I'm up here today. I've been fighting a cold for weeks anyway, so um, there we go. Uh, keeping my hands to myself. And then uh, we continue in verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, in uh, verse 8 there, we see a lie regarding sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. As in, sin does not exist. It's not a reality. Verse 10 that we read uh, is similar, but more of a personal claim. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. As in, other people sin, but not me. I mean, that's it's not me. So there's the idea of sin doesn't exist, and another idea that, yeah, maybe it exists, but I'm a good person. I'm okay. Now, verse, verse 9 is where we need to practice the habit of Jesus in confession, the truth. Now, Jesus never had the habit of confessing sin, his sin, because he never sinned. But everything he did confess was the truth. Everything he said, everything he prayed, Everything he did, he did in truth and love. Look at the contrast between light and darkness, truth and lies. There's confession again and the beauty of Christ's sacrifice and forgiveness. And then in chapter 2, verse 1, 
Should have that there, yep. My dear children, this is John writing, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Now, it's easy maybe to breeze past some of these, but I write this to you so that you will not sin. Is that possible? We have a, we have a sin nature in us. If, we, if we've believed on Jesus for his salvation, trust that his shed blood paid the price for our sins, what? Is that all we get? I'm going to kind of move into a few, few other verses here. That's, that's enough in and of itself. But what's, this is indicating that there's a, a way that we will not sin. And the grace, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. For what I want to focus on here, I've talked a lot about sin, and I think I needed to because it is real. I do not discount it, and I do not discount at all what Jesus did. His sacrifice paid the price. But then the idea of our identity in Christ is what we need to live out. Yes, we have that sin nature. could be a daily battle. But the battle is won. We just need to lay hold of the power of Christ in us. And we can go to uh, the next slide there. Continuation of this passage from 1 John. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Well, that's a pretty strong directive. But if it's, if it's in here, and it's in here, there it is in 1 John. Yes, written by men, but it's the inspired word of God. This is, this is Jesus in print. We must live as Jesus did. And he gives us the grace and the power to do that. I'm not going to read all of John 17. have that on the front of the bulletin, but uh, I believe we have slide with some of the verses here. You know what? I am going to read the whole thing. So, just uh, wait for those key verses uh, as I read. Father, the hour has come. This is Jesus. Uh, He looked toward heaven and prayed. Father, the hour has come. 
Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now I presented that everything Jesus said, prayed, did was the truth. And here he is confessing, he's proclaiming, if you will, truth. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came, with, came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for all the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. I realize there are some things we could delve into on some of these verses. Are only some the chosen? Well, we have free will, and so... I don't exclude anyone from making their choice for Christ. But somehow I think he knows something that, that we don't. It's not, not for me to decide. Continued verse 10. All I have is yours and, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your, by the truth. your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone, speaking of his disciples, his followers, right then. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's anyone in this room who has come to know Jesus. May they also... Let me skip something, sorry. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. 
I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that they, that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. There's a lot to digest out of that chapter. And my apology if it was too much. But just as Jesus and the Father are one, he wants us to be one. A uh, 19th century poet, author, pastor uh, named George MacDonald put something this way regarding the salvation of Jesus. So, the notion that the salvation of Jesus is a salvation from the consequences of our sins is a false, mean, low notion. Maybe not language that we would use today, but it's garbage. That notion is garbage. The salvation of Christ is a salvation from the smallest tendency or leaning to sin. Is that really possible? Is that really true? The salvation of Christ is a salvation from the smallest tendency or leaning to sin. See, I want us to not be done totally with confessing our sins, but how about it is a much less frequent requirement or need? It's, it's needed. We need to give things to Jesus. We need to give everything and everyone to God. We're not designed to carry around that sin, missing the mark. We weren't designed for it. No, the salvation of Jesus, it is a deliverance into the pure air of God's ways of thinking and feeling. It is a salvation that makes the heart pure with the will and choice of the heart to be pure. Remember, Adam and Eve chose to disobey. We're given that amazing free will, but in the salvation of Jesus, we have the will and the choice to be pure. To such a heart, sin is disgusting. It sees a thing as it is, that is, as God sees it, for God sees everything as it is. Yes, we still have that sin nature. We have the old man, we have the new creation at odds. But with a new heart, a good heart given to us by Jesus, transformed within us, we know when we know when we're missing the mark. That 
sin uh, is a, an archery term, not hitting the mark. That earlier verse about all have sinned and, and fallen short of the glory of God. We're, the glory of God was the target. We were designed to be in his glorious presence. And that is what he has he's paid the price. He has restored us to that, but it's also a process of working out our salvation and drawing closer to him all the time. But at the depth of it, your sins are nailed to the cross. Jesus took them all. And if you have come to Jesus for salvation, he has changed your heart forever. God sees you. God sees everything as it is. God sees you through the complete work of his son. Just a sampling of verses. Promises. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then from Peter, 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then uh, I'll read some verses here from Ephesians 5. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God. Sounds like live as Jesus did. And walk in love just as, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. And then here's a part of the process. Trying to learn what is pleasing to God, to the Lord. Um, I won't read all of chap Romans chapters 5 to 8, uh, but uh, very enlightening uh, passages regarding sin, battle, our nature. Just for a taste here from uh, Romans 6, 11, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but we need to start with the truth. The transformation with Christ is from the inside out. Proclaim, confess these truths, and uh, it will, I think it will help us navigate life in this world. And then if uh, those weren't enough, uh, from 1 Peter 1, uh, 15 and 16, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Now, we, we, could, we can read things from the Bible, we can hear it presented, and um, 
I think if we take it more as just a common conversation instead of proclaiming voices with reverb, um, Word is written, be holy because I am holy. God has given us the ability to, in all of our decisions, all our little choices, to be holy, to live as Jesus did, to run in the paths of his commands. All of these proclamations, these promises, if you will, these confessions are Jesus' truth about you and me in relationship, in union with him. So, are we moving at freeway speed? Maybe getting off the on-ramp? Did we turn the corner there? There are so many more promises in here, but uh, it would be be too much for one morning's talk. We've we've wanted to... uh, Form the habits of Jesus. Worth, uh, we've passed out little journals. Uh, I don't want to pile on here, but maybe one of these verses or a verse that, that has resonated with you, a promise of who you are in Jesus Christ, saved by his shed blood, risen with him in new life, He's seated at the right hand of the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to him, and we are seated with him. Write down just one verse, a promise, and think about that. Maybe when you wake up, maybe when you go to sleep, maybe when something, you know, Temptation, something comes our way, uh, the wrong response in, in a work setting or out in traffic, whatever it may be. You could use the term, you have the, you have the choice. You can short-circuit those things. And maybe, it's not, maybe short-circuit isn't the right term. You can access the new, the new wiring that Jesus have, has given each and every one of us. Maybe that's, maybe that's better. Use the new wiring and just say, nope, that's, that's not who I am. I don't want to do that. Nope, I don't, I don't want to get angry at my wife. Nope, that's, that's not me. Not, not going to do that. I love my wife. What, whatever the situation is, you have the will and the choice of the heart to do that. So in uh, previous weeks, Worth had given us the cue, routine, reward diagram. So here maybe the cue is, yeah, that's not what I want to do. The routine uh, is Jesus has paid the price. And the reward is his cure rate is 100%.